I'm Mr. Stein. I teach American history at Perrysburg High School, and I'm inside the hive. There we go. Thank you, Mr. Stein, for that wonderful intro here to episode 13 of Inside Lucky the Hive. Lucky 13. Lucky number 13. That is, that is you today. Um, last episode before the holidays. Hopefully we have a good one for you guys today. So let's start with a little season recap so far of Perrysburg basketball. They're 7-1 on the season, undefeated 3-0 in NL play, featuring some very impressive wins over Anthony Wayne, Northview, and Bowling Green, all by 15-plus points. They also have non-conference wins versus Beaver Creek, Walnut Ridge, and I think that is it. And they also play tomorrow against Wauseon. Depending on when you air this, we may have already played them. Well, tomorrow, December 20th, <laughs> we are film, We are recording this December 19th. Yeah, we, we have Boise on tomorrow, and then we play Central Catholic on Friday. There we go. Joel, how are right. you doing today? I'm awesome, Jack. How are you guys? Doing well. All right, so with our first question, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are? Uh, my name's Chris Stein. Uh, this is my ninth year here at Perrysburg High School. I started at St. Francis de Sales up in Toledo. Uh, I taught there for 14 years, so I've been teaching 23 years total. Um, I'm from Toledo and graduated from St. Francis. Uh, went from there to Bowling Green State University in the late 90s. It seems like so long ago now. Um, and then I went, I did my student teaching at Central Catholic and, and that's also where I got my start uh, coaching high school sports. I was with the girls program at Central and then uh, went from there to St. Francis, coached baseball and basketball. Went from there to uh, Perrysburg in 2014. Started coaching basketball for about five years and then uh, now I coach baseball with uh, Coach Hall as a varsity assistant and then uh, varsity assistant basketball with Coach Boyce. So uh, what sports did you play growing up? And I played everything. <laughs> I, you just, uh, it was whatever was in season, that's what you played. Um, I, I grew up actually playing uh, a lot of soccer, mm -hmm. basketball, baseball, played a little soccer, and, and um, uh, m most of it was, uh, was just like street ball and stuff like that. So. And then how did you uh, get into teaching? Uh, wow, I didn't start in teaching. When my first year in college, I was actually in business. Mm -hmm. and was training to be a uh, certified public accountant. Sounds so funny oh. right now mm -hmm. and boring. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I was riding back with my dad because freshmen can't have cars on campus. Uh -huh. And uh, I just looked at him and I'm like, Dad, I, I, I just don't want to be in business. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, what are you thinking? And I said, I think I really want to be a teacher. And my dad had an had a education degree. My mom had an education degree. Neither one of them actually used it. Mm -hmm. um, my mom worked as a paralegal. And my dad was, uh, worked for the state unemployment office. Uh, he was a fraud investigator. But it was always in our blood. And I just, um, I just was like, I, it just felt right. So I switched to education. And uh, I, you know, at my, my first uh, teaching assignment was actually at Perrysburg Junior High when it was mm. at the Commodore, oh, if yeah. that ages me at all. So. But, yeah, I would not have pegged you as an accountant major. That is just, <laughs> knowing you, I'm like, yeah, you an accountant, man, no. Yeah, I, I think I made the right choice. I'm happy with it. 
Who, all right, hold on. You're going to have to sign, obviously. What question do, we, do you want to do? Because if you look to the document, you'd realize. Joel. That's highlighted purple. I'm not, this is a big That's, ay, ay, ay. All right, can you talk to us a little bit about your dad's job? Uh, yeah, he just worked as a, a fraud investigator, and he, if you collected unemployment and were working at the same time, um, he, he went out and did all the, uh, all the work to just try to figure out like what they were doing and, and who was getting away with stuff. So he would do the investigation. He, he would appear at court in court as a witness for the state, and uh, I mean, essentially people would have to pay it back or even, even potentially go to jail and stuff like that. And he did it. He, he, had, he got the job when he was about 22, 23. And about two, three days later, Penta called and said, we have a teaching job for you. And he was like, I just started another job. But my, my dad would have been a great teacher. I mean, he was just, he, he, he loved social studies. Go figure, it's what I know. And he, um, I mean, he, he, and he loved sports. And that's basically where I got all of that from. I mean, he's, he's no question, he's like my mentor and my hero for, I mean, since I've been alive, so. So, have you, have you always wanted to coach basketball and baseball alongside the teaching? Uh, yeah, when, when I did my student teaching at Central, um, I, I taught with a guy named Marty McGurk, and he was my cooperating teacher. When, um, when, I, when I got placed with him, I asked him, you know, if he coached anything or whatever. He was the varsity girls assistant. And back when I, when I got there, they were the powerhouse in the area for girls basketball. Um, they were in the midst of nine straight city league champs. Um, and, and they had girls that, uh, like Erica Haney, who's the head coach now, went to Notre Dame uh, University. They had a girl named Courtney Mix, whose dad played for the 76ers for years. In fact, her godfather is Dr. J. Um, he was, I mean, Steve Mix was like, was a stud. Toledo went legend. To, went to Rogers and then went to University of Toledo, absolutely. Um, so, and she ended up going to Villanova. Um, we had the Minfield girls, one of them went to Michigan. We had Kelly Helvey, she went to Michigan. I mean, I, I was only there two years, but it, it, was, it was a great experience. My first year there, we went to the regional finals. My, and I was, I was a, bar, a JV assistant. You know, I was, it was just an awesome experience for my first time. And the, the second year, our team was supposed to be down a little bit, mm -hmm. and we went to the Final Four. <laughs> so I'm in my first – now I've been, I've been coaching for 25 years. I'm in the first two years of coaching, and I've gone to the, the regional finals I've, as one of the elite eight teams in the state. We went to the final four, so I get to sit on the Schottenstein floor at, at, in Columbus at Ohio State, and though, that's my first two years of experience of, of coaching. Well, I, I got my first teaching job at St. Francis, mm -hmm. and the, they just hired a new coach named Nick Lowe, who's another really good friend of mine and just, a, just an outstanding human being as well as a coach, and, uh, and so I, I, I went to work for him because I was teaching at St. Francis as well. And we get knocked out in the first round, sectionals. <laughs> and I, I was just like, I, I, I froze. I'm like, this can't be it. We're supposed to be practicing and coaching for like another month. And it was just so weird because I had gone, we had gone so deep. I was spoiled. And, but it was, a, it was a great learning experience on, on all three accounts and everything like that. Now, you mentioned that you're a St. Francis grad. How would you say the public schools compared to the private schools? Well, I, I, I mean, 
the the biggest difference where I was is it's an all guy school, mm-hmm. um, and and certainly religion plays a, a big impact in that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I when I got the opportunity to coach at, at Perrysburg, when when you look at the the students that St. Francis, I'm going to use air quotes here. I don't think yeah. you can see it, but recruits. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the and the type of students that we have at Perrysburg and everything like that. I mean, we've got great kids here. So the the student bodies and everything, they they were both really good and everything like that. But the the biggest difference really is, and because I live in Perrysburg, it's the community. Mm-hmm. It's such a great community to to you're you're teaching, you're coaching, you're you live next door to them, you see them in the stores, you see them in the church, you see it, I mean, just all over the place. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it, whereas at like St. Francis or St. John's or any of the private schools, they, they have students from all the suburbs, they have students from inner city Toledo, they have them from, you know, the west side, the east side, the north side, the, you know, all over the place. There's, there's, you don't have that sense of community. And that's, to me, that's one of the biggest difference about being at a place like Perrysburg. Now, what would you say the biggest difference in the uh, curriculum would be between the two? They're really similar. They, they really are. Um, I, I think you get a great education for, for essentially free. I mean, you're paying your taxes mm-hmm. at, in Perrysburg. Um, having been in, you know, the, uh, being at St. Francis for 14 years and, and going there, I was very acclimated with how things work and everything like that. I, I honestly think you get a stronger uh, just core at Perrysburg because you, we, we've got great teachers. I love working with not just my department, but I've gotten to know so many people in so many other departments and everything like that. And it, it's again, it's part of that community. The the thing that Perrysburg has that schools, that private schools don't have, is you have what's coming up. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're here from kindergarten. I mean, when did when did you come here? Kindergarten. Yeah. I mean, you guys have been a part of it, and you know, like, I know it gets cliche, mm-hmm. the, the jacket way thing. I, I totally get yeah. the, the, the cliche in that. Yeah. But, but it is a, it's, it's that sense of community, and it's a sense of you're growing up in that community and going to school K through 12, you know, and, and you guys get, you've done mm-hmm. it. And, but then the extracurricular, and I, oh, not even extracurriculars, the other classes that you have, like the art classes, the drama classes, the music classes, uh, you know, my, my, my son, who is at BGSU now, graduated last year, is going to be a music teacher. If he goes to St. Francis, I guarantee there's no way he's in music education. The music program that Perrysburg prepared him for, starting in the fifth grade with Strings on Fire, and then getting into the junior high with, with guys like um, uh, Jason Jordan, who, who does the band, and... Uh, um, Craig, uh, Craig Bentley, who also does it, and those guys have, and, and others, there's so many that I, I, I'm going to leave names out, but they've prepared him and so many other people for their, their future. I mean, he's going to be a music teacher because of those guys. And then Mr. Schleter and Mr. Smith and Mr. Williams, I mean, these, the, all of them, again, I'm leaving people out, but they're, they're all like, they're, they're mentors to him, and they've, they've prepared him so well. And you don't, you're not going to get that at St. Francis. They, they'll do a great job. Don't get me wrong. But the, the community and what they have invested from K through 12 mm-hmm. is undeniable. Now, what was the deciding factor for you to leave St. Francis after being there for so long to come to Perrysburg? <laughs> um, there, there are some things there that, uh, well, it, it, 
I don't know if I want to say them on the air. I'll, I'll say I, the kids were great. Uh-huh. The, the faculty was great. Um, some of the administration that's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had some issues with, with what they were selling and how they were doing it. And mm-hmm. it didn't seem like what I had grown up with and what I had taught. And there's still some, some of my good friends that, that are there and everything mm-hmm. like that. And, the, and the, they're solid teachers and whatnot. But I didn't see an opportunity to, to further my career especially in athletics. Mm-hmm. And I, I pride myself in academics. I was the department chair there. I, they, they, you know, I was teaching AP, I was teaching regular, I was teaching a lot of different courses in that. And then when I got to Perrysburg, there, there were, I, I'm now the department chair. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm teaching AP and you know, I, I've gotten yeah. to that. But the, the, the baseball movement and, and basketball movement, I have opportunities that hopefully, and, and we never, who, who knows? Right. I have the opportunity to move up and, and potentially replace two phenomenal coaches uh-huh. in, in Coach Boyce and Coach Hall. Um, and, and I don't want them to go anywhere anytime soon. I, I, I learned so much from one's in the Hall of Fame, one should be and will be in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I have those opportunities to be with them and, and to advance, uh, you know, potentially in those areas. And, and we'll just say St. Francis and I had a difference of opinion. Mm-hmm. And I, I had a, an opportunity when Coach Boyce called and said, I have a social studies job, I have a basketball job, do you want to come over for an interview? And, and, I, and I, that happened because of a, a friend at St. Francis named Tim Gherkin, who just retired as the baseball coach. Him and Coach Boyce were uh, really good friends. And uh, coach, uh, coach Boyce called him, because I didn't know Boyce personally mm-hmm. at that time and Gherkin said I got a guy for you uh, give him a call gave him my name and number and and uh, all of a sudden you know Gherkin calls me down and says hey hey look I can't use all the words that he said because they're not appropriate right yeah. but he, he said hey uh, you know coach Boyce is uh, is going to give you a call and he just looked at me now now Tim Gherkin was a one I, I have several people that I look up to and then I'm like I want to be I want to have the good parts of these people and he's one of them, and he just looked at me. He's true blue St. Francis, yeah. and said, "You gotta go." He says, "You have an opportunity for your family, for your career. You know, you already live there." He goes, "This is the move. You gotta go." So I left. By the way, the last thing I did at St. Francis was I won a freshman baseball championship. Kids dumped water over my head, and I'm like, <laughs> "This is the best send off," and they have no idea I'm leaving. <laughs> I interviewed for the job that day, oh, and then God. came back and. and beat St. John's uh, uh, it was like we walked them off like five to four uh-huh. in the uh, track championship and I'm like this oh, is, I don't want to tell is, them this <laughs> is great and bad all at the same time how did you break it to them? Uh, I it was at a uh, uh, the team we, we had a team picnic we did oh, something oh, no. and, and they were they were really good about it uh, the weirdest feeling was my was coming when I was here and just out these doors at the stadium, we were playing St. Francis and, mm-hmm. and Perrysburg, this was, this was the, this was like the team. This was Dimmerling, Hafner, yeah. Westfall and, and some, some really, I mean, that, that was one of the, one of the best football teams mm-hmm. that I've ever been associated with as a teacher. I don't, I don't coach football or anything like that, but um, we played St. Francis and we killed them. 
and I, I like to sit, I like to stand on the field. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. just, I just like to be there. I like to be with the kids and just see them and just I and and I, I can't coach football. I don't know the intricacies. I love watching yeah. it. I'm a, I'm a fan, and so I just like hearing the coaches and the, the camaraderie between them and the players. And um, you know, we just we went to St. Francis, and their guys are coming off, and, and they see me, and, and their guy, the St. Francis guys, are like Coach Stein, you know, hey. I'm like, hey guys, tough game, tough game. And then Chaz Westfall's leading the team off the field, and I, I had him in class, yeah. and it didn't take me long to get to know him. We gave each other a big hug. I'm like, hell of a win, man. I mean, it <laughs> felt so good to beat those guys. So, and I know, and I know, and that was Coach Kriegel, and mm-hmm. one of his, again, one of his good teams. I, I mean, I know that's a game that you want to get. You know, yeah. to beat the private schools who are recruiting left and right and getting getting kids from all over the place and might even have some of our kids there at the time. You mm-hmm. know? Just it feels so good. And so I was it was it was uh, you know, I felt bad but at the same time it was like, oh, I'm here. Mm-hmm. I'm all in and everything like that. It was it was awesome. We're gonna shift over here to specifically Perrysburg basketball. You guys uh, in NL player are undefeated and won by an average of twenty six point three three points per game. What do you attribute these large margins to? Well, we, we have a very veteran team. Um, I want to make sure I get everybody. Andrew and Avery Hunt, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Watkins, uh, Carter Pettis, um, and Matt McCune. Those are, those are five seniors who really know how to lead, and, and it's, it's business-like. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they played last year, uh, minus a couple guys that, that played JV, but the Hunts and, and, um, and Watkins especially – they, we went to the district finals, we lost to Lima, and it's like, we're hungry. And you can see it in them every day when they came to work in the summer and when they came to work in the fall, minus the football guys. And those guys, it's their leadership. Um, Matt McEwen uh, didn't play last year. CYO state champion. Won a state champion. Were you on that team? Yeah. Congratulations. Well, thank man. you. Oh, wait. Um, yeah, won a state title. So we've got that experience yeah. going for yeah, us yeah. now. I mean, I mean. Uh, Q, as I as I call mm-hmm. him, you know he's he's got, he brings championship experience yeah. to the table. Yeah. There it is, um, and and then you've got you've got guys like Austin Schultz, who who is just a, f- uh, a they're all phenomenal kids, mm-hmm. a phenomenal shooter. I mean he he is he is a, just one of the best shooters I've ever seen. Uh, and don't tell him I said that. And uh, and Gavin uh, Fennekin, who is he, he does a lot of things. You take those guys and, and you put them in the mix and you add Zach Pamer, Joe Dinda, and, and Carter Pettis, and we have a really dynamic team. Mm-hmm. They listen. They're very coachable. They do a lot of things right. I love – oh, I'm, God, I, I almost forgot. I'm so glad I didn't forget. Matt Hubbard. Mm-hmm. Matt Hubbard, who's coming off the bench as a sixth or seventh man. And, and usually Matt Hubbard and, and Matt McEwen come in together, so mm-hmm. they're six, seven. And Matt Hubbard has, has been – Phenomenal off the mm-hmm. bench. I mean, both of, both him and, and Q have come off the bench and just given us such such life. If somebody's not up to up to what we need them to at that moment, but the, the hardest thing I think for other teams to play us is who do you take away? Mm-hmm. If if you take away Matt Watkins, you've got Avery, Andrew, Gavin, Austin. You've got Matt Hubbard. You have uh, McEwen, and if you take away Austin Schultz, you've got the other other guys if you take away Andrew you've got the other I mean everybody has the ability in some way or another to make things happen we are unselfish we we look for the next guy nobody cares who gets the points Mm -hmm. and and it's 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 truly unique I mean there's they're very 
unselfish mm -hmm. and they all have the common goal they want to win the league we want to win a district at least if, I mean obviously we want to go as far as we can and we want to make statements to the rest of the state you know going back to the Newark tournament and, mm -hmm. and playing we, we have one of the it's got to be one of the toughest nominee schedules around mm -hmm. you know? yeah and we still have we've got Wausau on tomorrow we have Central on, on Friday and we have Rossford next week who is who's also extremely dangerous mm -hmm. we've already played beaver creek was tough newark did beat us i mean that was a it was a physical game we were uh, not to make excuses because uh, that's not the kind of team we are but it was it, it was very exhausting the football mm -hmm. guys had just come back we've had them for a week and i know they were wiped but mm -hmm. we we've been we've been really good and joel i know you brought up like the the nll schedule bowling green was a complete shock I mean, we expect we did bad. I mean, they 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 played hard and everything like that. But our our defensive scheme, they did a great mm -hmm. job, and and the offensive scheme, it was you know getting to the basket, finding the extra guy, hitting shots. We did that again with Northview. I mean, we got off to both offensively and defensively a forty to nine start in the first mm -hmm. half. Nobody that doesn't happen. Nobody saw that coming. No, not at all. And, and I mean, it was I I, I thoroughly. And I don't know if they'll ever hear this or not, but I do thoroughly respect, you know, Jeremy McDonald, who's the head coach at Northview, and, and the guys at the guys at all the other schools. You know, I, I know they're trying, they're preparing mm -hmm. everything, and they're going to give us everything they got every time. You know, we we got a little we had a little luck going there too that we were able to knock down some shots. We felt good mm -hmm. and just ran with it. I hope they hear it. I mean, we're we're open to all viewers. So Northview, <laughs> if you want to listen, I yeah. think that'd be great. So. Uh, Talked about that Newark game. So it is my understanding that in that game you received a technical foul. Who? You. Me? Yeah. No, I did. You want to talk to us a little bit about what may or may not have happened? Well, I can tell you exactly what sure. happened. But it, it was, you know, I, I think it was third quarter. Um, I mean, do you want me to tell you who got it? I mean, yeah. Because it wasn't, I mean, he, it was, Coach Boyce said something to the referee. Mm. And it wasn't anything like, it wasn't bad or anything that but he, he questioned the call a couple times and and sometimes coaches get technicals on purpose to try to motivate the team mm -hmm. and we weren't playing very well and and I, look the the referees were doing what they did they mm -hmm. were it, it was newark it was their tournament it's their guys we're the out-of-towners and so there's we knew already going in we're going to have some calls that go against us mm -hmm. so so i i haven't had a technical man I've gotten one technical in my career. It was around 2002 or three. It was a JV game, mm -hmm. and the uh, we were playing at Libby, mm -hmm. and uh, the referee was just—it was awful. I mean, mm -hmm. it was terrible, and we were getting we were getting crushed. Mm -hmm. And I, I just yelled something like "Come on!" you know, really loud at the referee, mm -hmm. and he was running by, and he he stopped, put those brakes on, turned around, bam, just teed me up, and I. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's that's my that's my technical. Yeah, I did not get teed up. Right, I don't right. know where you're hearing that garbage. Uh, you know, boy Stein, interchangeable <laughs> figures. You know, so if, how if he wants to put yeah. it on me, I'll take it. But uh -huh. it was him. <laughs> All right. So how have you taught your players to handle adversity? Well, w one thing is, is as we go through it, recognizing it. What are, what are we doing? I mean, adversity on the court. Is that what you're? Mm -hmm. I mean, on and off the court, whatever you're teaching your players. This is this is something that we've been teaching them since they were freshmen, and mm -hmm. Coach Perez and Coach Fonky even earlier than that, and going back to junior jackets. That you know, there's some guys that you can 
that, that as you see them coming up through the program, that you sometimes talk to them and you, you want to address it as early as you can. Freshmen, especially, you know, you, you see them struggling, so you want to go up to them and talk about the adversity. Mm -hmm. You see them on the, we practice with the JVs all the time. We're, we're, we always scrimmage them, we, we go at it, we, we're, we're going through drills and stuff like that. So there's a lot of adversity for them because they're going up against a pretty good varsity team, which also makes them a, a better JV team because they're not going to see a better team on, yeah. on, on a on JV night. So, um, you know, it, and then it's, it's constant communication. You know, you want to make sure that you're, you're in their heads and you're trying to keep them positive and see things that they might, you, you want to tell them, like, hey, man, you didn't, you didn't do this right, you didn't do that right. And they're like, really? And yeah, you want to look at the film? You know, you show them and, and you teach them, you know, and you, you try to do it the right way. Now, what would you say the most important thing is that you preach to your players? Um, I mean, one thing is, is to, we, we talk about poise, composure. Um, you know, we got, we were down in the Anthony Wayne game by one, and we want to, uh, we want to make sure that, you know, we're still focused on what we're doing. Um, so I think that's kind of the biggest thing. And just, and, and the other one was uh, this past Saturday night, uh, we played Walnut Ridge, who had a, an amazing point guard. Uh, mm -hmm. he's, he would be D1 if he were three inches taller. He's borderline D1 and he's about 5'9". And he put up 40 on us, which, which I would say is embarrassing, but Austin put up 33 on them. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, it was a nice little battle between the two. And we were down 12 with three minutes to go in the game. Mm. And it was kind of like, man, this is, this is getting rough and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. Well, we, we battled. We, you talk about adversity. I mean, that, that right there was was prime case of it. Well, we, we didn't give up. We kept battling. We started, we, well, Matt Hubbard came in and Avery, both of them did a great job on this guy. And eventually, we were about three minutes to go in the game. He is dog tired. And, and now we're sending two guys at him, trying to get the ball out of his hands, not letting him get it back. And they started turning it over. So our guys just keep going, keep going. You know, we don't want to, we're, we're not going to quit. And with about 30 seconds to go-ish, you know, we, we're tied. We got the lead. They got their tie. They get the lead. And we're going back and forth. We get it to overtime. And, you know, by the time we're done, from the three-minute point mark left in the fourth quarter to the end of overtime, we put 27 points on the board. It was 64-52. We won the game 81-74. Pure resiliency. Poise, composure. We, were, we played Anthony Wayne the night before. Uh, mm -hmm. A little tired. I mean, that was, that was a, a dogfight in itself. And then we're playing the next day down at uh, the Coach Q, QP Classic and against a pretty good Walnut Ridge team. And, and we just, we didn't have, I mean, we, we were not feeling it. And you could see it early on, but we battled. And that's what good teams do. You find a way to win. Now, uh, as we look forward to future seasons, could you talk to us a little bit about league expansion and what that will look for, what that will look like for you guys as a program? Um, next year, the, the track up in Toledo is dissolving. Um, the, the private schools are going up to the Catholic League in, in Detroit. Enjoy. Um, the, uh, the, let's see, we're getting Whitmer, Clay, Fremont, um, Whitmer, Clay, Finley. Fremont, Finley, and we're losing Maumee, and I'm forgetting one. Lima? No, Lima's going to the Toledo City League. Um, it might be it. 
Yeah, because then we're adding, we have 17, so that's 11. Mm -hmm. so, um, so they're gonna have a big division and a small division. Mm -hmm. And I'm not entirely sure how they're gonna do like league games for some of the other sports. For basketball, the big division, you're gonna play everybody twice. Whoever has the best record, you're the mm -hmm. league champ. For the small schools, you're gonna play everybody twice. Just the small schools and just the big schools are gonna play each other for the league titles. So you'll have two NL champs, a big school and a small school. Mm -hmm. You'll still play a crossover game, but those don't count for the league. Mm -hmm. So you'll you'll play. We'll play like Bowling Green one time or Napoleon one time, and it counts on your, on your record overall. Right, yeah. But it doesn't count on your league record. How would you say this uh, year's team differs from last year's team? Man, last year's team was pretty good. Um, we we lost some good players in uh, Luke Mangus, Joe Bowman, uh, Ken Klusmeyer, and. Uh, Jack Mitchell, and some we, we lost some great players. We also lost a lot of leadership there too. Um, you know, Luke is is one of the guys that might go six seven under the mm -hmm. radar. It's kind of hard to, but it, but he was he was a force inside minus when he was sick, and he um, he's going to be he he's been missed just because of his sheer size against that. So we're we're not as big up front. Mm -hmm. And, and Cannon Klusmark could leap out of the gym. I mean, he was just, he, he was, he's one of the best athletes I've ever seen. Um, you know, I, probably he's up there in the top five that, that, I, that I've ever been around or coached or, or watched at, at the school that I was at. Um, this year, we're across the board, we've got good size. Um, we do a lot of weight room. Uh, we're thick, so I think we're stronger. Um, mm -hmm. and, and we definitely, last year we didn't have, we, we had guys coming back, but because of the COVID year prior, prior to that, it, it wasn't, you know, we were, I think we were still a little untested and all that stuff, even though we had a really tough schedule that 2020 year. Mm -hmm. um, but this year we've got a lot of veterans, a lot of guys that have a lot of varsity minutes. Uh, Andrew Hunt has been starting for, this is his third year. Uh, Matt Watkins, this is his third year as a starter so that's that's something that we we didn't have last year with a couple of year starters and stuff like that but. now we're going to head to a weekly segment called flashback oh this is where we review a controversial or hot topic that may spark a little bit of conversation <laughs> so this week we're flashing back to episode eight when we had the hunts on and we talked a little bit about the fashion staple that is coach boyce's sweater vest yeah and uh they had some interesting comments. I'm not going to throw them under the bus or anything like that, but they weren't necessarily the biggest fans of it, but that's okay. So uh, since these comments, uh, people have been asking me about it, and we've been pointing it out at the games. We haven't seen the sweater vest, and it's kind of like, it's gone? It's gone. Is it gone? It's that's gone. that's what I'm asking. Is it retired? It's Is retired. it done? It's done. It's gone as, as, uh, as principal, as a, uh, sorry, as assistant principal. You know, that was his look. And he retired as assistant principal, obviously he's still coaching. Um, but he told me, man, this was October, maybe early November. He, uh, he said something in the, in the coach's office. So one day he goes, yeah, the sweater vest is gone. So what do you mean it's gone? That's iconic. That's who right. Yeah. Are. And I, I, I got to say, I was a little, I was a little thrown off my game that mm -hmm. night. It, it takes a lot, but the, the no sweater vest, yeah, it's not, it's not coming back. Now here we so real quick we were down in, in Newark and we were playing against Beaver Creek the first night and uh, we're, we're we were 
we were kind of standing around waiting for the game ahead of us to, to finish up. And uh, I, I leaned over to Boyce as we're sitting watching. I think there was a JV game going on ahead of us. And I said, who's going to be the first one to notice that you're not wearing a sweater vest tonight? And we started going through. I mean, I think, uh, I think Andrew and Avery's dad came up, Chad Hunt, that it might be him, you know, it might be a parent like him or, or, uh, or uh, Brian Denda, Joe Denda's dad. Mm-hmm. Or, um, and then we were kind of going through the players and everything. We're standing in the tunnel as the, the, the game's ending and we're getting ready to come on the floor. And Austin Schultz turns <laughs> around and goes, Coach, where's your sweater vest? And that was, that was the first time that anybody noticed. And, yeah, it's, it's done and over with. He's not, it will, you will not see it at all this year. I'm just glad that is not a podcast thing, that we didn't kill the sweater vest, that there was other outside factors. I'm, as we're talking about it, I'm like, oh, boy, he hears this, and it's gone. I'm, we're going to take the fall for it, but way to go, Principal Boyce. There we go. Speaking of uh, Coach Boyce, do you have any other funny Coach Boyce stories? Um, some of them are, and it, it's not like they're bad or anything like that, but some of them are what, stay, what happens in the locker room or what mm-hmm. happens at dinner, stay there, and stuff like that. Because we have, we have some traditions and things like that, that uh, if any of the players are listening right now, they, they're shaking their heads up and down, and, and the hubby's probably laughing a little bit because they all know what I'm talking about. Um, you know, he, oh man, a specific voice story? Oh. I mean, there's there's just some of the the quirks that that he just kind of has. He's he's not a a fan of uh, any type of blood, like a bloody (laughs) nose or something like that. He'll he'll walk like we had a a kid hit his head and and he went that way, went one way as the kid was coming the other way, and the assistant's like, I got it, I got it, I I know already that this is our responsibility, (laughs) stuff like that. But um, no, I I don't have a lot. We we. I mean, he's just he's just a good dude. We, we joke around a lot, so it's a lot of just silly stuff and things like that. Things that when, when, you, when you really get to know him, maybe he doesn't want me sharing this either, uh, but when you really get to know him, I mean, he's just, he's just a genuine guy and, and really looks after you, and, you know, he's, you know, he is what he is, but we have a lot of good times together. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to share some of the stories. <laughs> Do you have any other funny ones that you would share? In, in like, what in particular? Just... Basketball coaching stories. Oh man, I, I had, we had a uh, we had a kid one time, and th- this was back at St. Francis, who was trying out for the team, and he was a German exchange student. Oh boy! And uh, I, I I don't I, he had no idea what basketball was was like in here, and he <laughs> he tried out for the team, and I just remember I was standing by. They had this drop down curtain, and I was standing by it, and a ball came came just chucked it full court at him. And it hit him right in the head. And I lost it. I dove behind the, the, the curtain because I was laughing too hard. It was, it was, oh, it was funny. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, nothing, nothing. Yeah, you put me on the spot. I'm yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I be you. funny. It's like, um, yeah, no, I, I can't think of anything off me. I will later uh-huh. when I'm on my way home and I'll, I'll shoot you an yeah. email. Like, oh, I forgot about this. Let's go reshoot. Mm-hmm. Speaking of on the spot, do you have a favorite teaching memory? Um, yeah, teaching uh, Jack. Oh, oh God! I mean, that was that. <laughs> what an honor to uh, to have the that's me right here in, mm-hmm. in my class. Except when he was gone for golf. And stuff yeah, like that. that was only a couple. That was you're really a, stud, a couple. You're years. a stud golf. We got to go out and play something. Yes, we do. We, we should do that. Take a day. Yeah, let's get Mr. Rogers out mm-hmm. there and, and 
Joel probably can like nah, no, no, Joel, you're no, not coming. Put a divot in the ground. Yeah, you're not coming, Joel. Yeah, no, Sorry. absolutely not. Golf we'll is not him, for me. We'll bring him along for kids. Yeah, he can just yeah, you can just sit in the cart. Yeah, sit yeah. next to me. <laughs> I think we would weigh it down too much, Jay. No, whoa, 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 Joel. They're they're built different these days, Joel. Uh, so, uh, Mr. Stein, do you, does the team this year have any like game day routines or superstitions that any particular teammate has? I probably have the most superstitions on the team. Uh, I mean, everything from when, when I get up in the morning to when the game is over, um, I, it's, it's, I, I'm very superstitious when mm-hmm. it comes to it. Um, those, I, can, I, got, I got plenty of stories about. Do tell. Oh, yeah. so, <laughs> so way back, uh, a few years ago, um, I was coaching at my other school and everything. And, um, you know, it was game one. And we had, we had a pretty good team. This was like 2006. We had a kid that went to Akron to play, and he was Daryl Roberts, absolute stud. Mm-hmm. And um, Coach, uh, Coach Lowe, who I was working with at the time, says, uh, hey, let's, uh, let's go bowling Thursday night. You know, before we played Friday. He's like, let's go bowling. I'm like, okay, all right. Just he wanted to do like a staff thing. It's like, all right, so we went bowling. We won our game Friday. So we played Tuesday. He's like, hey, we got to go bowling Monday. I'm not much of a bowl. Like, mm-hmm. like, if I hit 150, I'm having a great day. So, so we, we went the following Monday, played Tuesday, we won. We played Friday, we went bowling Thursday. We, we played Saturday, we went Saturday morning. You know, we, we won 15 games in a row, and we bowled before every single game. <laughs> you want to talk about practice makes perfect. By the time we got to, like, the 15th time, I told like, my high at, at that point in time was, like, 165. Mm-hmm. When we were done, I had a 215 game. It's the <laughs> only time I've ever hit over 200. I can't do it again. But we bowled so many times. Like I had callus on my hand. I don't know how bowlers do it. I mean, and I used the, I used the, the, the yeah, bowling generic, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, that one doesn't fit. Well, that one's gonna, my thumb's going with that one. So yeah, we, we every, every single game. The other, another good one. And I, oh man, I can't remember the student. This was about five years, six years ago. Uh, there was a joke in class. We, were, we started talking about uh, the famous painter, Bob Ross. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And for, for whatever reason, it just became a thing. Well, she got me a T-shirt. And it was a Bob Ross T-shirt. And, mm-hmm. and the, the background was, it was a black T-shirt. And it had his face on it with his little painting thing or whatever. And I'm like, you, you know, I, for a game, I always have a black T-shirt on, underneath. So I, so I wore it. And we won. <laughs> oh, here we go. There's, there's my superstition. So, see, when you, when you lose, you can start all over. Right, yeah. But we, but we, we won. So, 1-0 JV coach. I'm coaching JV uh, base, or basketball, and then I was the freshman head baseball coach. Mm-hmm. It was my first year in the, in the program. So, so JV basketball. So, we won game one, won game two. Now, I, I do wash the shirt. Yeah. Okay? I, I, do, I do wash it. I just wash it in with mm-hmm. detergent and everything, so it's clean. Uh, 22 games. And it got to the point oh, where, where my wife would, would, you got your shirt? I'm like, yep, I got it, I got it. And we won 22 games, and we went 22-0. and <laughs> And then I went to coach baseball. And I'm like, well, does it start over, or do I, do I have to continue to win? So I, I didn't want to chance it. Mm-hmm. So first game, I, I wore it, and we played clay, and we won. Which means I got to wear it for the next game. And the next game, <laughs> and the next game. We went twenty-one and up. <laughs> <laughs> so my, so my, my year that year, and this was about five years ago. We went twenty-two, uh, twenty-two and zero in basketball, and then we went twenty-one and zero in baseball. I won 
my team's won 43 games in a row. This was also coming off of 14 games the previous year in a row, which I don't remember what shirt it was, but I wore the same one when we got on a roll. And so, yeah, I won 57 straight games. And, and then, uh, then both Coach Boyce and Coach Holm bumped me up. And mm -hmm. so I haven't been a head coach since, other than one time during COVID. Coach Boyce uh, was sick. And he's like, you got to coach this, the opening round. We were playing against uh, St. Francis, mm -hmm. my alma mater. He's sick. I'm getting my varsity debut to coach a varsity game against my alma mater. And I was scared blankless. Uh -huh. And it was like, oh, man, this is. So So we, we played the game. We were, we were up early. They, oh, by the way, St. Francis hadn't won a game yet. They were like, oh, oh no. Ten. Oh, no. And I'm like, I can't, I can't be the one. This can't be it. My first game coaching at Perrysburg also was against St. Francis. There's, a, there's just that inner, oh, man. So, we, so we're playing at Rossford, playing against St. Francis. Avery Hunt had a great game. Mm -hmm. um, I forget how many he had, but he, he had a fantastic game. He ended up being the tournament MVP. Uh, we were down, I don't remember how many, but we were down like five or six, and then we came storming back, and we ended up winning in regulation. Mm -hmm. I was like, but it was like it was like thirty-eight to thirty-seven. I mean, it was just it was an ugly game, and I've never been so nervous in my life. So one and zero as a uh, as a varsity coach, and I, I count that in the record. So fifty-eight straight wins, and uh, I may never be a head coach again. I'll just I'll just go with that. So you, you wore the shirt for that game or no? Oh yeah, I did. Oh, of course. <laughs> I, dug, I dug it out. I had worn it that year. Uh, I, I dug it out. Yeah, I had to. If you ever become a head coach, are you? No, I'm gonna start fresh. Oh, uh, I, I don't mean, know I if you like can. Well, uh, yeah, you're right. I'll, I'll, I'll probably have to. I'll, I did wear it the other night against Anthony Lane, by the way. That so, worked out. That are you, you're out. undefeated in the shirt. Uh, it, it's an amazing shirt. I, it's going It's going to the Stein Hall of Fame if there was such a thing. <laughs> you got a frame there with that one, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, Potential well, Christmas I'm gift. I'm it or I'm too big to wear it anymore. <laughs> Christmas gift down the road. We'll frame that shirt. Put there it in this classroom. <laughs> All right, the Hunts uh, had talked about how you uh, have played the piano. Yeah. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> so last year, uh, we were getting ready for... Man, all the games are starting to run. We were getting ready for our... Uh, oh, it was... Uh, uh, it would have been Finland. And uh, we were... we're we, for some reason, we couldn't reserve the jacket room at the high school to eat. Uh, something else was going on, and, and so we had to find another place. And one of our, it was uh, Luke Mangus's grandmother, I think, in her, um, in her area, condo area or whatever, mm -hmm. they had a hospitality kind of house almost. And so we, um, so we, they, they said we could use that. And, and uh, we went in there and they had a TV up and watched it. I mean, it was very nice, a very mm -hmm. nice place. It, it, was, it was very homely and everything. And we went and sat in the dining room and they had about three tables set up. And there was just a little upright piano off to the side and everything like that. And it, I always notice the piano. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I love the piano and stuff like this. But, but so uh, I don't know who, who, who started it, but somebody, one of our players was 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 chiding somebody else, like, "Hey, go play the piano, go play the piano." And uh, well, we're going back to hubby again. Uh, Matt Hubbard gets up. He's like, "I got this," you know, and he does the old knuckle <laughs> crack and he goes and sits down at the piano. And I mean, it was it was intense. Like I was waiting mm -hmm. for him to like bust out on something popular and whatever. 
And he starts like hitting one note at a time. Like, ding, 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 ding. I mean, that, that, that was it. It was like, you're kidding me. You're kidding. So, you couldn't let that. So yeah. I, look, I looked at boys. Because I'm not, not that, I mean, I love playing the piano, but I don't, mm-hmm. I don't usually like, hey, guess what I could do, you know? So yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I looked at boys. I'm like, do you mind? He goes, go ahead. So, uh, so I went over to the piano and I did the, I did the hubby thing. I got, you know, kicked my arms out and I cracked my knuckles and, you know, shake my hands up, got loose. And, uh, I started playing some like Beethoven thing or something like that. And, um, and I, I guess, I, you know, I can't see them, but some of the players had taken out their phones and started recording it mm-hmm. and whatnot. And then, uh, uh, and then I played something else. Like I'm a big Beatles fan. So I started playing. So I, I'm, I don't have a lot of things memorized. I, mm-hmm. I'm psyched. I have to read the music to play it. Yeah. But I have some things like memorized and stuff like that. It was pretty cool. Um, so I, I had taken lessons for like 14 years. I, I grew up playing the piano. So you mentioned playing the piano, but what are some of your other hobbies? Um, I, uh, I collect uh, Coke products. Um, I, I love like vintage uh, Coca-Cola and Pepsi. Yeah. Yeah. I'll collect all of them. Um, I've got some stuff that goes back to the 1940s, um, like different crates. I got a, a nice, uh, it attaches to the wall, uh, the bottle opener from Coca Cola from like 1941 to somewhere around the war era mm-hmm. that my, my father in law gave me. Um, bottles and things like that, like bicentennial. Uh, I had a student give me a, a new Coke. This was like the worst product ever. We probably talked about the class at one point. Um, he gave me a, a can of new Coke. Uh, that's sitting up in my uh, my classroom. Let me tell you how mad it was. Like I had it for a couple of years, and I finally like I was putting something else up there, and something was sticky. Like the new coat had eaten through the can. I'm like, why? Oh. But I didn't drink that because <laughs> new coat was nasty. By the way. Um, yeah. I, I, uh, so other hobbies. Uh, I mean, I'm a big Detroit fan. Mm-hmm. Lions, Tigers. I can actually say Lions fan. Yeah, yeah I'm a big fan. I don't want to. I don't want to take. Yeah, uh, Redwoods, Pistons, Tigers. Uh, I'm a huge uh, baseball fan. Uh, I collect. Uh, I have a lot. I have about 90 autographed baseballs. From- I collect autographs from mostly baseball and stuff. Um, I'm still in the card hobby. I mean, I have mm-hmm. a lot of things that, that keep me busy. That my wife's like, "Are you ever going to get rid of this stuff?" I'm like, nope. no, I, I, I love it too much. So yeah, that's probably the biggest thing there. What would you say your biggest challenge has been that you've had to overcome in Perrysburg? It was it was very early on um, when I when I changed from a private school to a public school. Um, there's a lot of things, red tape and stuff behind the scenes that you don't realize. Um, when I came in here, I've been teaching for 14 years, and I Perrysburg was great getting me acclimated as well as the 14 new teachers at the high school that were in the same boat. Um, brand new, most of them were like 15 years younger than me too, unfortunately. Um, we, um, you know, that was probably the biggest challenge right there. But, uh, you know, every day, coming into the classroom and, and getting to getting the like new guys and, and stuff like that, there's, there's, there are minimal challenges. Like, I, I know that in other schools, people go through a lot more than I do. I think it also helps that I've been somewhere else, so you kind of realize that there are, now I graduated, so it was a private school, it was fairly mm-hmm. well off and stuff, but there, there's always challenges at other schools. People have a lot, a way worse than, than what we do at Perrysburg, so 
Uh, so most of the challenges are, are minimal, to say the least. Now, what would you say your favorite basketball and baseball memories are? Uh, my favorite baseball memory, uh, can, am I allowed to name drop? Yeah. Okay. Um, so my, my dad and my uncle used to run a baseball card show in Toledo. Mm -hmm. And I, I got to meet um, some great, great players. I, I went to church with Joey Maggio. Mm. Um, I went to dinner with, with my idol, who's not close to Joey Maggio, but it was Alan Trapp, uh, Al Kaline, um, Mickey Mantle. Um, I, uh, that, that, those were some great memories. I met Lou Brock, I met Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, um, Duke Snyder. Um, pretty much, oh, I mean, pretty much if you were, if you were a Hall of Fame in the 50s, 60s, I met them in the 90s. My, my parents, my uncle, my aunt, I mean, it was a big family business. It was called the Nightmare Circle. Mm -hmm. And that, by far. Now, the, the story, though, is because we had, or my dad and my uncle had Al Kaline, who's an all-time great Tiger Hall of Famer. Um, he used to do the play-by-play. -play. And the guy that worked with him was a guy who's also a Hall of Famer, George Kell. And they used to do games on you know, Channel 4 out of Detroit. But we used to pick them up in Toledo and stuff like this. So uh, my dad wakes me up. His father's dead. It's 1992. They're playing the you know, Toronto Blue Jays. I remember it like it was yesterday. Mm -hmm. And he goes, hey, you want to go to baseball? Oh, yeah. And let's go. So we, we got seats. We're, we're like 10th row behind the non-back circle of the Toronto Blue Jays. And a guy named Dick Schofield, who's now managing for the Miami team, uh, is up to bat, and he hits one over over our head at Tiger Stadium. It hits the auxiliary scoreboard behind us and comes back, and I caught it. It's, a, it's oh, the wow. first baseball in 16. It's the first baseball I've ever caught in a major league game. And Tigers were actually pretty good. I mean, they, they had they had some some power hitters and stuff like that. So it was it was a lot of people there. So I caught a baseball, and it was, it was awesome. Now this is the day. I don't know if you guys can relate to this, but uh, this is this is before cell phones. Mm -hmm. Okay, we don't we don't know what cell phones are at all. So my, my dad goes up up to the uh, up to a payphone in uh, at Tiger Stadium and calls my mom and says, Hey, did you see us on TV by any chance? Really? And, and my mom pauses for a second. She goes, see you. She said, you were on TV and they were talking about you. And it was Al Kaline recognized my dad and my uncle who were sitting on either side and said, I, I think that's Bill and Don Stein, my dad and my uncle. I think that's Bill and Don Stein down there. And, and George Kelly goes, yeah, and their buddy just caught the ball. So I mean, it was, that's, that's my memory right there because that was like, you know, I caught the ball, and they talked about us on television, which was just like it was. It was outstanding. Yeah. And my favorite basketball you asked me that. Th that's easy. Uh, Northview is twenty-three and zero, playing at the University of Toledo. They're the number mm -hmm. one team in the state, and uh, Coach Boyce and Coach Schaefer put together a masterful game plan. And we they had beaten us twice already, and we upset them. And just the, the amount of people that were there supporting yeah. us and more. I mean, it was a great crowd. You were there? Did you go? Were you busy or something? <laughs> I was like, I'm going to get a regular What? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not talking to you. I'm just going to talk to you. Uh, you got to come up for basketball. We'll play tomorrow night.
You can make it. What are you doing tomorrow? We will make it. I will make an effort to get there. Can we do a post-game press conference? Absolutely. 100%. Okay. No doubt. Sure, they're winning the NRL by 26 points a game. Come on. How are you not coming out to see the great I will do that tomorrow night. I promise you that. But that, and that's the coolest thing, is the amount of people, minus Joel apparently, who were at that game. It was so much fun. And just the the celebration afterwards and on the court. I mean, it was... That's that's why you do it, and, and you hug the kids. You you hug your play. the players are just everybody does it together. It's the game plan. It's they got to execute it, and man, it, it just it was it was the best feeling ever. Now you've coached quite a few great players at Kernersburg. Who do you feel are some of the best that you've been able to coach? Uh, you know, I, all the guys that I've had at Kernersburg have been fantastic, I, and, I, and I know that's the cop out answer, right? Um, Trevor Ackman is one of the best athletes of, of maybe. Of all time, right? It's hard to say because we've had a lot of great athletes, mm-hmm. but certainly in the last, in the nine years that I've been there, he's one of the, yeah. one of the best. Drew Sims, Jackson Sizemore, uh, and, and I know I'm going to miss out on people. Ian Riddle was a hell of a player. Um, uh, Cannon Kruzmeyer, Joe Bowman, um, you know, this year's team, we've got a bunch of guys that, that are really good. I, I, I mean, Trevor Hafner won the NL Player of the Year on a team that went 500. Uh, he was he was really special, you know, just a just a heck of an athlete and three sports too. Um, and there's yeah, uh, Connor 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 Wallins, I think, mm-hmm. uh, TJ Tackett, who had the baseball and stuff like that. You know, and I haven't been with the baseball team as long. You know, I've only been with the varsity for a couple of years because of COVID and stuff like that. But, um, I know I'm missing a lot of guys because we we've had some some really good players, but. Yeah, that was Trevor Hatton was a junior when I first got here. Yeah. I remember standing next to him and and you know, I'm just getting to know him. This is my first year. He's kind of bouncing up and down. He's getting ready. And uh, again, I'm not going to tell you the exact thing that he said because it's probably not appropriate for uh, any radio show. But uh, he he's standing next to me and he goes, Coach, goes, yeah, Trevor. He goes, we ain't losing this game. He goes, I'm dropping 20 on these guys and we win. He dropped 23 and we won. I mean, it was, it, that's, a, that's a special athlete to mm-hmm. just, you know, this is what we're going to do, and then go nothing about it. Who would you say the best shooter you've ever coached? Austin Schultz. As I figured. Uh, Mason Schultz was pretty good to his, brother, his older brother. Um, I, love, I love Mason as well, but Austin, and he had nine threes in the other game. I, I don't know the school record because it's not one that was tracked, but uh, I know in the voice era, uh, Coach Boyce said, I, as far as he can go, he's never had anybody hit nine. Five and six. Drew Sims had five uh, his freshman year. He won me. I remember that. Um, I don't remember anything like that. But Austin just has a, he, he just has this this gear that it's, it's like he catches it. It's like, I'm making this. You know, just Austin. What would you say your favorite thing is about Fairfield High School? You guys. I mean, d- doing this right here, like, this is awesome. I, I love doing stuff like this. I love working with, I, I know, it's, I, again, it sounds kind of cliche, but, I, man, the, the students are so great to be around. The, the, I've always had good classes. I've always, always had, you know, walking in the halls, and, and people are very genuine and things like that, but um, it's, it's just being around you guys. And, and again, I know it's cliche, but that's that's it right there. It's why. That's why I do it. And, and uh, Mr. Rogers is sitting across here shaking his head up and down. He, he gets it too. You know, he gets to do stuff like this with you guys. And, 
and it's uh, it, it's fantastic. And, and the, the staff, you know, we've got. I love my department. We've got. I just I think the social studies department, no offense to anybody else, you know, just they're they're just so much fun to be around. Not that the other departments aren't, you know, but I, I I love our department. I think we uh, we we just we work together well, and we collaborate well, and, and it's it's. You know, that's a big thing. We, we got the support of the administration, you know. So it's it's everything that just kind of it builds up. We got great coaches, we got I mean it's just it's across the board. No. By the way, I kind of think everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good place to be. Okay. Now food is always a big topic on this show. Oh, I knew you were what what are some of your favorite restaurants here in Perrysburg and around the area? Can I just say, first of all, yeah. I I live on over uh, Juniors don't listen to this because I don't need my house getting hit or anything like that. I'm just mm-hmm. that uh, I live over uh, back off of Apple. Yeah. Right? All the stuff that's come up Culver's, yeah. Canes, uh, Kandalas, or else you seem to be starting with the letter C. Um, you know, there are just so many places that are opening up. Um, Perrysburg ones, um, I, I love, uh, I like going to sidelines. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it a lot because that's the basketball game. By the way, if you've been to a basketball game, people should be going to sidelines. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun. Winter blues, I mean, it, it's, it's just, it's nice to, it's a nice yeah. community event and stuff like that. Um, like free everything. Mm-hmm. To, this, this street's good. How convenient that sidelines will be sponsoring us at the New Year, so. I did not know that. This is not <laughs> way to go. Great lot. Great lot. But side sidelines is I'm, I'm glad they're open and everything like that. We lost so many other ones, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're oh, uh, it's in, it's just in Rossford, but I was at reset the other day. I love the, the atmosphere there and stuff like that. Um, what what's the other one across there's Fifth Street, which is really good. Mm-hmm. And then there's that new one. Um, it, no, inside the bottom, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not the high best to show them. Nice, my bad. <laughs> Have you been to that new uh, taco place that uh, replaced Max and Ignis? Yeah. Not yet, but it's on the list. Is it good? Oh, it's very good. It's, there's a couple of new places that opened up in, uh, in Levis that I haven't tried yet. But, oh, and uh, another, one of my favorite ones is that Ruby City. Mm-hmm. Love that place. Alright, so now we are going to get into this week's ranking segment where we ask you to rank a topic. Uh, so we have a couple of topics this week. Okay. The first one being, how would you rank these players? LeBron, Michael Jordan, Kobe. Ah, okay. You're right. Yeah. Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and then LeBron. Okay. I, I saw Michael play. And you can watch him on TV all you want. You can watch the clips. You can watch the highlights. Nobody. And I'm a piston fan. This is the hardest thing for yeah. me to say. Because I was I was in the heyday of the bad boys. Yeah. Oh my God, with Isaiah and Dylan Beard and Joe Dumont and Devin Trump. And, and I grew up hating Michael Jordan. He is the best player mm-hmm. ever. And, and hands down. LeBron. And, and, and I mean, I think for all three of them, it's a compliment to be in that argument. But but I mean, Michael Jordan for sure. Kobe is Kobe is Kobe. I mean, he was he was one of the best. Um, no question. I mean, he, he was just, he got it done. He was a winner. And, and LeBron's there, too. But LeBron always seemed like he needed, he needed somebody else. Like, people needed Kobe with the championships. People needed Michael with the championships. LeBron seemed like he needed both. My opinion, I know a lot of people are going to find him unpopular, but I, I saw Michael play, and wow, he was 
So our second topic here today is who are the top five baseball players in your opinion that you've seen in your lifetime? That I've seen? Um, wow, I've seen some really good ones. Um, Tony Gwynn is one of the best hitters of all time. I, I, I got to meet him too. Um, he, was, he was awesome. I know I'm in but I'm sorry. Uh, Tony Gwynn was amazing. Um, that I've seen play. That's what I hear. Yes. I, I saw I saw Pedro Martinez pitch at uh, at, at uh, uh, Comerica. Uh, Justin Verlander, who is not a Tiger. I'm a, obviously a Tiger fan, so it's hard to say. But one of the greats, George Brett, Robin Young, Dave Winfield, um, uh, Kendrick Jr. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I saw him play, and another his his swing. If you if anybody wants to emulate his swing. It's, it's Kendrick. And I would say he's probably the best I've ever seen. My life And our third and final topic of the ranked segment this week. What are your top five soft drinks slash beverages? Um, okay, you, you put me on the spot. Mm -hmm. I haven't had a pop since July. Mm -hmm. And I know I used to drink it yeah. in class like all the time. Um, so all time, uh, Coke or Pepsi, I can't choose. I, I like them both. Uh -huh. And it's Coke's fault because they put that new Coke out in 1988 and started drinking it. Uh -huh. I started it. Uh, I thought he was taking off his headphones because it was mad. <laughs> oh, I remember hearing it. What was yours? Oh. Wow. Um, Meyer Grain. Just said it's okay, too no, no, no. today. No, I'm sweet. Oh, sorry. Meyer Grain. Great soda. Is he best? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. okay. All right. I, I'm, I'm a big like grape soda. And more so, like, what the? Whoa, 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 whoa. I, I can't believe you got me to say that. It's pop. We live in the Midwest. It's pop. The same thing as pop. No, 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 how many do I have No, you're good. I kind of want to see that if we if we set that up. Come and do an A push class one day and tell them apart. Wish we would have done that. Um, as exams week finally ends, Christmas is coming up. What's on your plate for this Christmas? Uh, let's see. Uh, beat Wasiana first. Beat Central on Friday. Everybody better be there, of course. I don't know when this is airing, so we better have done If not, get to a game, please. Uh, Saturday, I go to. Go to my in laws down in Pastoria. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have Christmas with them. And then the next day, uh, we go to my uncle's, uh, my uncle's golf course. I get up there every Sunday. Yeah. Um, fall Timbers. And we, we have it at his place. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then after that, we go to my brother's for just, just my immediate family. And he's got four boys. I've got three kids. And my sister will be there. My other sister will be there with their. Combine four kids and it's a, it's a blast. It's a good time. Now, how about the food aspect? What's on that dinner plate? Which one? It's all different. Sure. All right. So, so my how mother, my mother, in -law, my mother, -in -law, yeah. And if she, if, and I know she will listen to this. Okay. So she's she's going to listen when this airs and knows that myself and her other son-in-law will want the spaghetti and meatballs. She makes some of the best. Meatballs, and I'm not just saying that because she's going to be listening. She makes some of the best meatball and the sauce. It is, yeah. It's amazing. Um, the next day at my uncle's, it's all breakfast food. 
oh. and breakfast is one. I mean, we've got egg casseroles, and, and he does this. He makes it the, all this ham, and it's got some kind of mustard craze. Mm -hmm. um, I'm hungry just thinking about it. And then, uh, and then my my brothers, it, it, it's up in the air. I don't know really what he has planned. Um, a lot of times we do like cold cuts, or uh -huh. we, you know, who knows? So it might be chicken. We'll see. I'll let you know yeah. next time you have it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> what would you say some of your favorite holiday songs are? Uh, you know, I just went to a concert last night and saw Straight No Chaser. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard them or not. They're an acapella group out of the University of Indiana. Of course, they've been doing for like 20-some years, so they're not acapella anymore. Um, but they've got some, there's 12 Days of Christmas, the Christmas Can Can. Uh, other than that, I like the classics. I like White Christmas. Uh, I like uh, Roy Rogers, the singing cowboy. He does a lot of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I love the classic stuff, uh, especially. And I need to get something in here. You're going to listen to this after Tom Hawks' podcast, which was very good. But I said on there that I only the only top favorite Christmas song I had was Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas Is You. And while that is good, I left out a lot of others. And I want to mention Michael Buble because all of his Christmas music is good. And on Christmas Day, you what? You don't agree with me? That's not interesting. Really Wait, for, I, I don't care. I'm not shaking my head now. I don't want to be accused of that. I, I felt That's like I needed to get that on the record. That Michael Buble makes good Christmas music, you should and that's what I was like. Christmas Day. That's what I'm missing. Have you ever heard him do interview? No. Like he doesn't want to be known as a Christmas crooner or singer. He but, doesn't, but that's but that's, what, that's who he is now, right? I mean, that's what he's become. Hey, you guys don't like it, Joel? Help me out here. You're not fan. I mean, I love all Christmas music, so I'm sure. Wow, way to be Switzerland. Yeah, come on. I'm a I'm a Harry Connick fan. And I think that uh, Michael Buble is a ripoff of Harry Connick. So you're not on that side here. Michael Buble has a great voice, but I can't sing. So I, I'll give him that. But I, I'm Harry, Harry Connick, who it might kind of sort of be a ripoff of Frank Sinatra. Mm -hmm. Frank Sinatra's Christmas music is wonderful. Yeah, I, it's a hard one. No, do not even try yeah. You go on 101.5 The River and never listen to it, every other song is Jingle Bells by Frank I'm sorry, I, I haven't listened to it. I I put it on. I had an FM on my way here, and they didn't play a single song. I, they didn't play a single song. A single song from my house was over by Fort Meigs to hear. That's like it was. It was all ad. It was all commercials on every station. I was like, yeah. That's horrible. Uh, I, got, I have a question for you. Yeah. Or, or, or both of you. Sure. Right. When is it appropriate to play Christmas music? You're right. No, that's wrong. We've had this debate several times. You can't do that. You can't. No, you can ruin it. You ruin it. It's, it's not special. No, I'm. It's I'm special. like a. Stern, <laughs> I'm a stern believer in that. It's got to be after Thanksgiving, and I'm right. even okay with December first if I didn't want to make it a December thing. But after Thanksgiving, you know, it just kind of rolls in the. Christmas. I get accused of being a screwed by No, no, because no. I won't listen to it until Thanksgiving. Day. I'm like on the way yeah. home. I'll listen to it. And they, they're, they're like, you're a Scrooge. I'm like, no, it has to be between, and I don't even like it after Christmas. Like, as soon as Christmas is over, it's like, that's it. And a lot of the musicians don't play it until New Year's. Yeah, I'm, I'm not okay with that. Like, I feel like that was a universal thing, and now everyone's starting to debate it, like Christmas in July and all this other I'm like, it's like a Thanksgiving, it's like a, you know, six week thing. Oh. And the six week thing. Way more than six week. I could give it 18 weeks. Oh, I have oh one Christmas movie. It's way too long. 
So what do you think the weirdest thing you've ever received as a Christmas gift is? Uh, weirdest thing ever? Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if I've gotten too many weird gifts. I got, a, I got a gift one time that I didn't realize was from me. And I, I actually moved it. It was a, it was a very, I thought it was a, somebody told me it was a spice rack. And this thing's like six feet high. And I'm like, okay. And I know. And it's like, well, what else could it be? And it was just, it was just some shelves that maybe were, you know, six inches deep or something like this. So I brought it in and I put it behind the couch and everything. Somebody, who I moved it into my grandparents. My grandparents made it. I stuck it behind the couch and everything like that. And he's like, just leave it there, nobody will see it from the lover. I'm like, okay. So when it came time for gifts for the whole family, somebody brought it out and handed it. And it, like two people were bringing it out and giving it to me. I'm like, this, what, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with a spice rack. I'm like, I, I don't have spices. I don't know what, what do you want me to do? And, and my, my wife is looking at me, and this is very early on in our when we got married. And she's like, it's for you. It's not a spice rack. What are you, where's the, I'm like, I moved it in here. They said, no, it's for my autograph baseballs. Oh. And I was like, okay. Oh, well, I was okay. totally taken. It's so, uh, yeah. Uh, I was like, well. So it's not weird, but it was weird at first. I'm like, what am I going to do with a spice rack? <laughs> I have like 10 spices at home, and I don't cook. Right. All right, we're going to hop into the final set of questions for this episode. Called the one word. What is one word that you would use to describe Mr. Stein? Passion. Are you asking Jack or are you asking me? Oh, yeah, passion. Can you elaborate on that? No, you told me to do it in one word. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I, I mean, I just, I, I get, uh, sometimes I think I go a little overboard, I'm sure I do, but, um, you know, when I'm in the classroom, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Jack in the mm -hmm. I, I teach us. And I, I love telling stories. I love. Uh, interacting with the, with the students, uh, I, I have a passion for it. When I'm on the basketball court, when I'm on the baseball diamond, it, it's, I have a passion for that. When I'm at home with my, and my family and everything, I mean, everything that I do, I, I, I'm all in. You know, I, I can't be one foot in, one foot out. So it, it's, uh, that, that's it. Now, what would you say one word is to describe the student basketball? <coughs> um, one word, uh, driven. We, we have a we have a mission. Um, you know, we want to get to the district finals. Uh, we want to be there, whether it's whoever it is, Lima, uh, Whitmer, um, it, it doesn't matter. We want to get there. We want to get to the regions. Um, so, getting back to the district finals and getting into that hump. So, I would definitely say driven. Thank you, Mr. Stein, for coming on the podcast today. Really enjoyed getting to talk to you, and we wish the team the best of luck the rest of the way. This is our last episode after exams and finals and we're heading into holiday break so we're wishing everybody a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. This has been another episode of Inside the Hive, a Jacket Sports Network production. Joel, it's that time again. That's it? It's that time. To the North Pole this time. To the North Pole. To the North Pole. Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays.